Hey everyone, I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. And this is Do I Like This, the podcast. And this week, instead of our regular format, we actually are bringing you an interview with one of our favorite horror comedy actors that we've mentioned on the show before. His name's Tom Downey. He was in Axe Giant. He was in Beast of Bray Road. He's been in many, many films. He's a great guy, and we were thrilled to sit down with him. Yeah, he's sort of a renaissance man in the industry, and he has so many great stories. He knows so many hysterical characters. We just kind of let him go, and it was really interesting and really fun to listen to him talk about all of his experiences And we really hope that you guys enjoy it as much as we did. We look forward to having him back. Definitely. Yeah. Quick note for everyone. Technically, uh, we did this a little differently. Sam and my mics are a little bit lower this week. We fixed that glitch moving forward, um, but it doesn't really matter because Tom's the star of the show and his mic is crystal clear. Right. Um, When Ian remembered to talk into his mic, it's fine. You know, (laughs) I've heard it's recommended, but I thought I would try something a little bit new this week. And (laughs) the result is... A fantastic interview. So thanks again, Tom. We appreciate you doing it. So we hope you enjoy. Take a listen. So now we got that out of the way. How are you guys? It's so nice to meet you. Great. It's so nice to meet you. We're so happy yeah. that you're joining us. I'm so happy you enjoyed the films. Yeah, definitely. Yes. That is something that is something else. I got uh, I'm gonna do a little promotion for hang energy. Have drink. at it. Yeah. So in case you wonder what I would promote. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not tied into them at all. It's just what I'm having right now. <laughs> it's been a long week full of insomnia. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. That but we, we to. get through. Uh, the but other I, thing I'll give you a quick note. We have a one and a half year old, so she's sleeping now. Okay. So for any reason, um, Sam might just have to jump up and um, we'll yeah. just keep going, but we if didn't you want see you me to... run out of frame. That's what's happening. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> my, my boys are 19 and 17 now, uh, Nick and Shane, respectively. And I remember those days. Yeah, you've been there, I'm sure. Yeah. And they still, they st- just before I, I, I hopped on uh, line here, I, you know, I have two beautiful sons, a lovely ex-wife, and uh, they're, over, they're over there. And I got in touch saying, I'm going to do the podcast thing tonight um, with some new friends. And my son's like, ah, oh, that's great. Uh, could you? I'm like, what? Pick you up food? <laughs> <laughs> so just before we did this, I ran out to Panda Express. So shout out to uh, Panda Express and my son Nick and my son Shane who opted out tonight. They're getting fancier Chinese. Oh, but, nice. uh, okay. Yeah. So there you go. Um, the other thing we just wanted to ask you too before we we dive in is um, any ground rules you have for interviews or, or um, um, guidelines you like to work with? Not particularly. No. Um, okay. Um, I. Because and it's good you you not that the child would even understand what I was saying, but uh, the last podcast that I did was with some friends, um, Shane Grove, um, with the uh, From the Shadows podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about cryptids and all this kind of fun stuff, uh-huh. and you know, talking about Bigfoot and werewolves and all this jam jam. But we got talking, and I was telling stories about back in the day making these films, and I just was cussing like a sailor it was funny but i'll try and keep the f-bombs down <laughs> we, are, we are an explicit rated podcast so you are fine oh, okay As all right yellow mass mass hole i get it yeah she's on the other side of the house so okay we're good <laughs> no, i don't want to pollute the air <laughs> no, we're good. I, well i guess we i'm ian and uh this is sam too by the way it is yeah. so good to meet you we are Genuinely big fans. Um, I'm, I appreciate it. Sam will try to keep my excitement level. I'm genuinely the overly excitable human being in general. <laughs> so I will try to <laughs> try to keep myself under wraps a little today. 
I often describe him as like a puppy. Yeah. Because his excitement goes like real high. (laughs) It can be overwhelming sometimes, but it's very sweet. I I appreciate that. That's I try to be that way when we when we get, you know, something good going. I get really, you know, we we all start off with the best intentions, but uh Mm -hmm. That film that you both watched, that Evil Takes Root, man, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll be telling you some stories about that one. That was difficult to say. I, the least. But yeah, no, no, really, not really any ground rules on, on and you ask about anything. Time limit, because, you know, we really want to be respectful. You know, I, we're good for a while. If you're good for, you just let us know when you got to go. Yeah. I'm good. The only thing, the only thing I'm going to have to do is use the bathroom. I'm actually, I'm free and clear tonight. And I, awesome. the next, next Zoom meeting I have is tomorrow for the next uh, art department gig that I'm doing. Very cool. So that's well, it. I guess that's an interesting good place to yeah, start. So, because we we were like, should we write down questions? And I was like, no, let's just like let it go. I'm He's probably a chill dude. Um, you know, not that we know you at all, but that's just the vibe that we had. <laughs> right now, well, I, you're very astute. <laughs> I try to keep it chill. So I think that the thing that we were most curious about was um you are in a lot of movies. Yes. In the horror genre, obviously. I've seen a few, Ian's seen more than I have. Um, how did you get to be like the go-to guy for it genre? It was uh two thousand and three or four. And um, I had a friend I was working with, Lee Scott, who directed uh, Bray Road. Um, We were working together at a bar and he was working uh, with that company, The Asylum, Mm -hmm. with uh, David Latt, David Romali and Sherry Strain. Uh, Those were the the three amigos at the time. And uh, I actually went in um, looking because I knew some folks for film finance at that time. And I was looking to get some stuff done for myself and for some other people. And I went in and, um, and I had this one, this one guy uh, that I brought them to and he kind of laid down his deal for what his slice of the pie would be as far as like, okay, I'll give you this money. Then this is what I expect back as a return. And they all kind of turned green and we're like, Oh, <laughs> so they, they got a little freaked out by it. Um, they never even countered. They just were like, no, nah, I don't think this guy's going to play ball the way we want to, which is, you know, they take the lion's share, which has been, you know, the, the, it's been a good model for the asylum. They made a lot of money off of that. Um, so that didn't go anywhere. And I had thought at the time, well, you know, maybe if these guys get, if I'm able to finance their films, they'll have to let me star in them or something like that. <laughs> so a year went by or so, and then uh, nothing came of that meeting. And my friend Lee and I were working together at a bar called Madison's out of UCLA, um, I used to be a doorman, uh, and a bartender, um, at UCLA and USC, uh, long time ago. Um, and he said, you remember David Latt? Well, uh, we're making some movies and would you be interested in being in them and, um, let me know. And he sent me this via a text and I was like, ah, I don't know. Those guys didn't, didn't really work out with them. I don't even know if I want to go down that road. And then he hit me back again. And this was over Thanksgiving. Uh, my friend Lee was like, no, seriously, like pick a department. You'll be the head of it. And, you know, come audition for this thing. And it was, um, it was a film called Jolly Roger. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Gary Jones was a director um, who did a really cool film uh, back in the day. A lot of people, fans of it called Mosquito, 
Um, yes. Yep. With, yeah, with, 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 yep. with my buddy, Tim Lovelace. Um, so I already, I knew that Gary, you know, was legit and uh he said you know come in and you know audition for these parts so i went in and i uh basically they didn't know where they were going to use me uh as an actor mm-hmm. but he wanted me to get involved and i was going to do you know help them with the art department and drive the trucks because nobody else would do it and uh i auditioned for seven parts i think in a row literally just throwing the pages to the side and becoming somebody else and becoming somebody else and becoming somebody else. And then I left and this was over at the asylum offices. They looked at the tape and then my friend Lee called me that night. He said, Tom, I know you said you were, you said you were a good actor, but uh, you're a really good actor. <laughs> I was like, Oh damn. Thanks buddy. And I was like, yeah, I, I not to toot my own horn, but I knew that. <laughs> but uh, so that, that got me in playing the sheriff. And then I helped with the art department on that. And then that became, um, also how I was able to get paid more than anybody else. They didn't pay their actors anything because it's all non-union. And I was FICOR at the time with SAG. So I was out of the union and I, I had quit when my kids were small to, uh, to um, please my ex-wife, um, ex-wife. It's kind of how that worked out. So mm-hmm. you guys got to be a team guys and you are, and I'd love to see it. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, so I've, that was it. I, I got paid to be uh, the production designer or, or, or second. Very rarely I seconded anybody on that uh, with art department and have like two or three people work with me. And then we'd have a, an effects person like my friend Danny Russo um, and uh, Mike Calio. And we get, uh, we get these things done and for no money. And for, you know, Bray Road was shot over nine days for $75,000. I was going to ask what the timeline for, like you've done quite a few films for the asylum. Sorry, I'm echoing. Um, no and I, I've enjoyed some of their films. And what is the timeline tend to be like for these films? I think the longest that they ever did was the war of the worlds film, mm-hmm. um, which was just over two weeks. I don't think we even spent three weeks on it. Um, and that, that was that what I, I could, you know, I'm sure there are folks out there that know better than me. What I remember of it is just over two weeks, maybe three with some pickups, you know, out there. Um, met C. Thomas Howell on it. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Later worked with me um, in a film, uh, Rivers Nine, that I starred in. And he played uh, mm-hmm. the sheriff in town for that one. So thank you, Tommy. And uh, yeah, that was that was the, the one they had the most money for in the beginning. Um, that was like their big deal. And they, uh, it was fun to be a part of it. They, they, I was, I was meant to be, uh, the C Thomas Howell character until they got C Thomas Howell to agree to do it. Um, and, uh, and then I was just doing the art stuff and uh, dragging stuff around in the dirt and in the rain and the mud and everything. What's it, just, it like putting a film together in, in two weeks or less, uh, with all there was a, a always very little lead time. That one had a little more lead time. Um, and I had a little more help on it. Um, and yeah, people get burnt out cause you're working 24 hours around the clock and, and it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough, but that one, that one paid off and got the asylum on the map because they were mentioned in entertainment weekly in a split page with war of the worlds, Steven Spielberg and war of the worlds, David Lapp. Oh, I, think I remember mean. that. Actually. Yeah. Tom Cruise, War of the World, C. Thomas Howe. Right. And they basically <laughs> compared them as this is Spielberg and this is this other guy. And they they made fun of it. 
and they called it a mockbuster. And I think that was the first mention of it, or maybe it was the New York Times said the the birth of the mockbuster, mm-hmm. which is like we're gonna we're just gonna knock off every oh, big budget man. film that comes around. And that was that was their model forever. We I wanted to like the, that, yeah, yeah, the Beast of Bray Road. Um, my friend Lee uh, and uh, my friends. Um, Kurt Oswager and Kyle Redman and um, Steve Fish, uh, who all worked art department stuff on that. Um, mm-hmm. and they are all from Wisconsin, so it's a Wisconsin legend. They were excited uh, to do it, but we had okay. we had that. We had Dracula's Curse, uh, mm-hmm. which I starred in, and I took a lesser role in that. Kurt took over and did um, did that because that was that was a lot of heavy lifting as far as acting because I was in a lot of it. Um, and uh, Frankenstein Reborn. Uh, so we did, you know, we, we hit up all the major tropes for mm-hmm. horror and with yeah. the werewolves and the vampires and, and Frankenstein. And, uh, the only thing I don't think we ever, or maybe they might've done it after I left was like the mummy, but zombies are in there. They did transmorphers instead oh, gosh, of transformers. I, I, yeah, I and that was the, that's the last one I ever did for them. And I was already, I had already kind of opted out and I was taking a break and I actually took their business model, but tweaked it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And was able to raise uh, some money and put a crew together to shoot my first film, uh, which was yeah, difficult, as they all are, um, now called Dark Image. And it was Mirror Image earlier. Um, it's out there. And my producing partner, Joey DePinto, rest in peace. We had some fun making it. We didn't have so much mm-hmm. fun cleaning up the mess after. But <laughs> we got through it. And that was the dealio. But uh, but the last, the last thing I did, the Transmorphers, yeah. uh, my friend Lee called and he said, Hey, we have to reshoot the opening. It's a little clunky. So oh, no. want to just come and be in this? And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and he said, nah, come on. I like I, I this really cool uh character for you, and you're gonna get killed by some robots, and it'll be great. And I was like, all right, I'll come in and I'll give you a trailer moment, whatever. You had me at and, <laughs> and I, I, I said, okay, but uh, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta pay, you gotta pay me like yeah. pay me what pay me a sad rate for the day and i'll come and do it um yeah i i, I, I had to you know kind of stick by my guns and have some self-worth because you just can't keep doing this stuff and breaking your back for free yeah. forever and then you know that led to me working for other people on their films as production mm-hmm. designer and taking a part and doing low budget and it's just i can't i can't do that double duty anymore i, I do it for a family member not i'm mm-hmm. sorry friends mm-hmm. Well, I was actually going to ask you a lot of your credits, excuse me, are actor and, you know, producer, art department, production, and producer sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of them were like special effects. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was curious. I was like, oh, I wonder if it was because it was low budget and and you just took on the role because of that. They needed the help and and I filled filled the the gap wherever I could, you know. that's and that's how you get it done. It's it's a carnival. I mean, I'm still a carny. I still, you know, the the tent goes up, the tent goes down, and I go look for the next town to play in. And that's every even though I'm in I'm I joined the uh, the art union out here finally, um, and the best thing I did because the, the kids have great health care now. Uh, mm. But it's still the same game. It's still a hustle, you know. And I'm still uh, you know getting messages from. Uh, my agent to to audition for this one and that one. And it's actually much better now that un- the unfortunate circumstance of the world closing, um, right. mm-hmm. I'm able to, uh, to do an audition on my phone and send it in and more casting people are seeing me now 
than were before because I turned things down because it just wasn't worth the money because I make more money uh, moving furniture on set or doing props than I would going in for some SAG ultra low budget thing. And people were with their passion project. I'm like, I'm very passionate about my job, but I'm also very passionate about feeding my children. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> and, and I hope I say this in the right way. You are a really good actor. And thank you. I'm just surprised that more people aren't going, this is a really good actor. I want to put him in more things. Is it been a conscious decision? You've mentioned taking time away a few times. You just mentioned, you know, not wanting to go through the hustle a little bit, or is it just kind of the crapshoot that is acting? I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it's more of the, uh, the crapshoot, but it's also the craptastic films that are attached to my name. I have been, I've been kind of pigeonholed as, you know, when I did all those films for the asylum mm -hmm. at one point, uh, Jeff Denton, my very good friend, Tom Nagel, uh, as well, um, who have a, they have a film, uh, clown town and, and the toy box, um, really cool, uh, micro budget films that Tom put him and self out there for. And I've Jeff actually seen well. a trailer for clown town. It looked fascinating. It's very cool. It's, it's fun. It's, you know, it's, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like a lot of the films we did, but they're, they, they made it fun and they actually, they, they struck uh, at the right time. Cause there was another like crazy clown thing that was going on at the time. And it, it kind of just all worked out for them. Mm -hmm. um, but that we, and uh, my, my friend, uh, Rhett Giles as well. Uh, he's an Australian actor. I think he's back down uh, on that side of the world right now. But at one point, we were all greenlit for series for the Sci-Fi Channel because the Sci-Fi Channel was buying everything mm -hmm. that the Asylum made. And every two months, we had a new movie on there. That's something that uh, was, wasn't told to me until after the fact, until I wasn't really in vogue. Yeah, I didn't know because I didn't have representation at the time. I didn't know that. It's kind of like, I felt like... There's a story about the Three Stooges mm -hmm. and they, the studio didn't tell them how popular they were so they wouldn't have to pay them more money. Uh -huh. So <laughs> side of things. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder, I just, I didn't know. And I wasn't marketing myself uh, the way I was supposed to, but I also, you know, people would say, Oh, they see my reel and go, Ooh. Yeah. And I'm thinking, but it looks like I own the sci-fi channel. What's wrong with that? <laughs> right. Like, Oh yeah. You'd be <laughs> horror films. That's cool. Like we, you know, Bruce Campbell's cool and all, but we already have a Bruce Campbell. Thank you. I was like, wow, really? So I, I think for a while I was just that. And that's why, you know, I wanted to do um, Sorority Party Massacre. Uh, mm -hmm. The second film that um, that we produced, you know, my friend Chris Freeman, who did Rivers Nine, um, brilliant writer uh, and very good friend, uh, super talented guy. Uh, we wanted to do something different. And so the comedy was where we wanted to go with it and make it more fun and also kind of like pay homage to all the 80s films that we, mm. we loved. And uh, and speaking of trailer moments, um, I remember we were doing one scene in that um, in Detective Watts, me, I go and I, I find a girl with an ax in her head in a solarium. And I'm in there with the, you know, the flashlight and the gun and wandering yep. through and I find the girl and, <laughs> and I said a line. I said, guys, I just need one more. And it was supposed to be walk in, find the girl, shock and horror and back out yeah and i said to uh to my my friend steve the camera uh operator our, our dp uh i said i need one more and said, all right all right downy and so i uh, i'm going i go there's something seriously wrong with the sorority <laughs> <laughs> and they all burst they, they called cut and they burst out laughing and uh 
And Steve said, do you want some cheese with that? With that, Or you want some wine with that cheese? Is what he said. And I'm like, you mark my words. It, it's going to be in, in the trailer. And it yeah. was. And it was a trailer cut by uh, Anchor Bay. And that's the last thing in the trailer is me saying that cheese pipeline. So they'd love it. I, I, know, I know how to make these stupid movies. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just watched that one the other yep. day because Ian told me. I told her you have to watch this before watch we it. And I was like, dude. I walked into the movie not thinking that it was going to be f- funny, like a mm-hmm. comedy. And I'm like, this movie's really funny. Is it supposed to go. be funny? Because it's really <laughs> right. funny. <laughs> well, that's why it's like that was me trying to like break out. And then people are telling me, oh, you're, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. But you're also, well, you, you know, it's it's kind of like, oh, you, you tracked in B-movie onto my carpet. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I I'm still, I'm still working towards uh, breaking away from all of that. And, but these, I still love what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that was 10 years ago, sorority party. And we thought that that was going to be our like big deal. The problem with that one, I'll tell you the uh, little horrible secret about the, um, (laughs) the inside of the business is piracy is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And Someone pirated. We sent it to Germany. We got, I think we got $50,000 from that territory, which is huge. You usually get maybe five to 15 to the moon mm-hmm. um, when you sell foreign territories. I think we got $50,000 for the territory. And somewhere in the e transaction, uh, sending the files, it got pirated. And everyone saw our movie before we could sell it anywhere else. Oh, that's awesome. It was seen by 100,000 people before we were able to make another sale. That's brutal. Ouch. <laughs> so that was that's a fail that's a huge failure um and no one to blame it's just we got pirated and that's that's the deal so that that would build all those warnings back up. when they're getting pirated things that it's people like you and right who are giving their blood and sweat and tears who this is a huge hundred thousand buys on that would have been huge mm-hmm. and you it's you know the way it changes someone's life people don't think about that yeah it's and then you know the film the film had its its problems but and it has been recut and i'm hoping someone will send me a check at some point in time because so is the cut that's up now the recut that's new that's the latest that was recut i didn't even know about it somebody told me oh uh yeah i enjoy (laughs) that film again you know you you get your producing partners that you don't talk to for a while and then they start doing stuff behind (laughs) your back and then you go oh yeah just send me my check or i'll have to send a guy with a bat (laughs) <laughs> i'll come i was a bouncer once yeah exactly well these guys know this too so <laughs> well i think and you mentioned something and one of the things that always bothers me is i think hollywood misses the fact that you know podcasts like myself audiences that we have and people b movies are not a thing to look down at at all it's a huge no. rabid fan base just waiting for more yeah yeah and that's that's what uh we have a friend um, at Netflix and we're hoping, yeah, I'm, what I'm hoping to do is uh, get a little more clout uh, on the TV side with my name and get, get back into, uh, I haven't done any television. I actually shot, um, it's in the dark back up here. This NoHo radio uh, was a pilot that we shot and it basically, um, it was 30 rock set in a, a small radio station, like an NPR oh, wow. or like, you know, but it's you know, music and news and all kinds of eccentric shows. And my character was uh, the Alec Baldwin character, but with no ambition and a huge gambling problem. 
<laughs> and we like to drink a little bit on the job. So I he's just this ne'er do well. And our Liz Lemon was a uh, was a very talented uh, friend of mine, Vicky Boder. And so we had we basically had you know Thirty Rock, but in this little tiny dinky radio station. And it was really funny. And we shot the pilot, and we had interest from CAA, and then people you know involved kind of get like pulled in different directions to do other things, and we never followed up on it. But that would have been something that we were hoping we could sell to Netflix. And we, I mm. thought for a minute we would. So maybe it'll get revisited. And the character that I was playing, he can still be, you know, I'm not telling any part of a liar. I'm 51 years old. I'm trying to do my best. I shaved the beard and I look, you know, I look 50. No, I say I look, <laughs> I like to think I look a little younger than I, than I'm actually, you know, you cut the tree open. There are 51 rings there, but uh, I'm hoping to be able to hang around and get one of these shows done and get back on TV and then be able to take that name recognition, which mm -hmm. is what it's all about. You know, if I, if I had, you know, a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, uh, I'd probably get more parts, but if I can get into one of my friend's shows and I got a lot of friends out there working, um, I just, every once in a while I'll say, Hey, don't forget about me. So maybe they'll call me in one of these times or, or, or I'll luck into it and get something on my own. But uh, I'd like to be able to use that to then go back and get financing and uh, do another round of films for myself and with friends because there are a few projects out there. Um, I have a friend whose life story I want to get made. I've been championing him for 20 years. He's a boxer from Boston. His name is Vinny Curto. Oh, wow. And uh, he actually uh, won a, a title at age 40 when he was trying to sell his life story because well, some producer in town uh, told him, hey, you know, you're not fighting anymore. No one's interested. So he went and he fought and he won and he went back and threw the, the belt on the guy's desk. He goes, yeah, are you interested now? So Vinny's, Vinny's the man. That's a very Boston yeah, response yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's from Chelsea, Vinny, Vinny Curto, very, very dear friend of mine. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to drop a lot of names. Uh, okay. I, I, Bring I it on, man. We're, yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm from half of my family are theater people. And it's all about talking about your friends to your other friends. To help each yeah. other out <laughs> yeah i i would i would hope uh before the 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 sun goes down on on uh, on the on the career i'm able to do something for vinnie's movie out of my feet is the name of it uh for and it's it's basically like a goodfellas meets raging bull the guy had an amazing life and was involved in all kinds of crazy That's stuff cool. and it's funny after the fact he uh he went and did stand-up and was at the comedy store and uh, he said, he's like, yeah, you, you won't believe me, but I, I, I did stand up. He's like, Tom, you believe it? Because we were we were bouncers together at USC mm -hmm. and he wouldn't speak to me for two weeks, even though he knew I was from Boston as well. I always used to wear a Boston hat. And one night I hear a bottle smash and a girl scream. And I just turned around. I was talking to Vinny. I just met him two weeks in. I turned around, ran into the bar and there's this big melee going in. And I just dove in and started tossing people left and right. And I felt someone grab me by the, the scruff of my neck and pull me out of it. And it was Vinny and he's laughing. And I've got a kid with me and I whip this kid around. I shove him out the door. Vinny's still laughing. We're tossing people left and right. He comes outside. He goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. you see Tom, that skinny Irish prick. He jumped in there. Boom. He took that kid down. He goes, ah, you're from Boston. I knew I liked you. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Great. And we've been friends ever since. So yeah, so that's 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 how that's how we met. I mean, a true friendship starts in a bar fight. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So uh, he said, you know, and then he told me, yeah, I got, I got, I got a movie. I got a movie. I wrote a movie. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. He's like, nah, you got to check it out. And 
turns out he actually had the film. It was up and running. They lost financing because their financer passed away oh. and the family came in and the film wasn't bonded. Uh, so the family came in and said that $9.6 million is ours. We're taking it back. And they lost their money. And uh, wow. he had he had Mark Wahlberg starring as him. I mean, wow. And and uh, Robert De Niro starring as Angelo Dundee, the boxing trainer. So everything goes to hell. Years pass. I meet him uh, bouncing and he tells me, uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I used to do comedy. And you'll appreciate this scene. He says, uh, yeah, one of my jokes, you know, I, I said, you know, the pilgrims, the pilgrims, they come over, they come over to the new world. And the first thing I do, they name it New England. I would have named it fuck England. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh my God, that's genius. You are a funny guy, Vinny. <laughs> like we need to get you in front of a crowd. Exactly. So yeah, so Vinny's a, he's a buddy and I'm trying to, still trying to every once in a while, we, we try and get that film up and running. So that's- That's really cool. That's a vignette. Yeah, I was actually, one of the things <laughs> I wanted to ask you was about if you had passion projects. So you're just answering the questions that were in my head without me even asking them, so- Oh, well, I very you, you both have hypnotized me. I mean, it's given up all the information. <laughs> it's her. She hit me. Yeah, it she has that effect on all I, of us. Yeah, I'm a I'm a therapist by trade. So people like to. Talk. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I don't have a chance. Yeah. Appreciate the work. Appreciate uh, the work. I'm not I'm not really doing it right now, but because um, we just moved. So. But yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, moving during all this. I can't imagine it. We. Not that we want to make this about us. We packed our house up literally. I got a new job in New York in March April. of last year. Oh, yeah, and April. I had to pack our entire house by myself into a pod oh, wow. because it was COVID all of a sudden. So I don't recommend sure. it for everyone who's thinking of moving. Uh, <laughs> wait it out. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah just wait it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we still like each other. So. Yeah, that's lucky. <laughs> yeah. That's lucky. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But um, I think... So we just watched, both of us just right. watched. Um, Evil Takes Root. Evil Takes Root. I keep wanting to call it the Body Bot movie. Um, and Ian I, said I, that you told him that you had some crazy stories. So I am interested yeah. to hear that. This one? Yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> it's a great cover. It is. Yeah, cool, right? The monster they, they, in that is really art. cool. Awesome, right? Good job. They're telling me. There we go. Okay, when it shh. There we go. I got a I got a message from Zoom. Yeah, I um, it's yes. like there's no time limit. It's like thanks, Zoom. <laughs> thanks, guys. So yeah, evil takes root. The uh, the curse of the body bot. Um, again, uh, my friend Chris Freeman had uh, he had a friend in Ohio who was going to finance it. A couple of couple of guys. Um, our buddy Sadir, uh and. Um, Aaron Mack uh, is the main the main producer on, and so he said, "We I have this crazy story." And he, I met the uh, the fellow who's it, it actually is about Felix, uh, who was an exorcist, was a priest, really, and uh, traveled the world and has all kinds of stories about it. And this is a story that uh, he purports to be absolutely genuine of uh, a haunting that followed him. Uh, and the evil was displaced on people in his uh, circle. So Whoa. 
we take that, take a little license, and it becomes evil takes root. Um, and the the body bot is a uh, the it's a, a demon that lives in the jungles of the Philippines, I believe, and uh, it's a big hulking uh, she demon who, if you disturb her uh, forest, she will come to your home and smother you in your sleep by sitting on your head. <laughs> Does not sound pleasant. <laughs> I don't think that it's was in really the movie. It's really like, dude, I'm planning So I looked it up. I'm like, what is this body bot? And I look up, I'm like, oh God, that's awful. And <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, and so we we have we have our own version of the body button in that, and it is uh, Stevie Lynn Jones, who is a fantastic actress, um, and she gets possessed, and and she's just uh, she's a marvelous. Yeah, it's really good. That's, she was that's creepy at when she needed to be really well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's she's, one thing she's I said. The acting in that movie mm. was excellent. Like really I'm good. Like yeah, I'm proud of everybody yeah. involved. The, the, the cast was great. Um. And then, like I said, I I did the uh, I played the part of the priest in that one, mm. you know, with the, the with the blind eye, and um, I went back and did reshoots. Uh, the distributors at the end of it said, you know, it's we need someone to kind of do exposition, and we need a little help with the story because it's kind of you know you got a few things going on here. And they mm -hmm. said, bring back that priest. It's what I was told. And so I went back and I shot a couple extra scenes and I'm in the movie. And, uh, and instead of me uh, committing suicide, if you've seen the film, it's not a spoiler alert. It's in the, uh, the extras. I, I actually, sur ask. I survived. Hmm? Okay. I was going to ask, cause we were just actually having that debate. We're like, did he die of sadness? Cause Samson was killed in the <laughs> field right there, or it just kind of trails off. Well, it's, that's, what's funny. I, my, uh, a friend of mine, um, up and coming actor that I actually just got with my agency, uh, Tosh Pelican, great name. Tosh like Tosh.0 and uh, Pelican like uh, the bird or the case, totally K, T A S, pronounced Tosh. Any, anywho, he, he watched the film with his friends and he said, Yeah, at the end of it, we're all like, Wait, what happened to Tom? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's bullshit. Where'd he go? We need him back. Get that priest back here real quick. Creating opportunity um, for the sequel or a spinoff. Exactly. So I'm happy, happy to help. Uh, but yeah, that was that, that film. We went out there. I only had a couple of days boots on the ground before going in. And um, of course, everyone promises the moon. You know, it never gets delivered. And they said, well, you, we thought you brought your moon. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no offense, guys. Don't get mad. Yeah. We, you are all there with me. And uh, <laughs> anybody, anybody who might be hearing this, they all know in Ohio what happened. Um, so I get to Ohio a couple of days on the ground, and uh, we lost our first location, and everything was pretty much you know low budget. So we were kind of tied into doing things a certain way, mm -hmm. and I only had so much set up to hit the ground running, and it was set up for that schedule. So we lost it, and the schedule was flipped, and then I had to work triply as hard to make sure we had the props and the things we needed, uh, the dressing, et cetera, for the day, for the next day, every day for almost two weeks. Um, so I got for, for 28 days, I got about four hours of sleep a night. My God. And, uh, and my, my friend, uh, Richard, who was the, um, the AD, we Airbnb and, and stayed together and I would stay up, with him 
until the call sheet went out. So I'd know exactly what we had or what was lacking and what I needed to send somebody for in the morning or go pick up myself. So that being flipped, oh, all of a sudden we're just, everyone's it's, it's chaos. Um, but we're going to get through it. Uh, and luckily, like I said, we had great actors, Sean Carrigan, great, so much fun. Uh, Churchill was great. Uh, these guys, um, a day, um, just really solid folks. And then, uh, uh, Reagan, uh, it, just everybody, everybody was everybody was great so everyone you know on the acting side all they had to do was show up and go you sure we're shooting that um (laughs) but behind the scenes we were all like losing our minds trying to keep it together and uh we had we we got a a roadkill deer from the sheriff's department because we needed a deer and i thought i had friends in ohio through an effect shop and they weren't answering my call uh and i was told oh we we have this we have that and of course you know it's all hopes and and dreams and whatnot but uh you know there, there's a hole in the bottom of that bucket so you know it's never gonna fill so dealt dealt with uh dressing a deer which i had never done before really real lying in the field so that was an actual that was an actual okay. that was an actual deer that we uh we set a blessing over before we disposed of it um and my friend uh chris freeman's uh gal tina uh she's a little bit of a thing uh if you remember Sandy Duncan from back in the day, a little just a real cute little lady. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the mom from Tina, the show. Yeah, right, kind of, kind of like reminded me of Sandy Duncan when I met her. Yes, a little sunny disposition, but didn't take no shit. Um, she and I dressed the deer, and I'd never. I was attending basically for the operation, and uh, I will never forget the smell. Oh, oh it's it's bad. Brutal. So yeah, there's some realism in that film. We um we had lightnings, uh, a lightning storm come and shut us down one day. Um, one of our uh, one of our crew hit a deer. Oh geez. And it, it hopped away. So <laughs> we thought, well, ah, we almost had one there. But uh, yeah, we had a few a few weird things happen. And my friend uh, Chris actually kept a talisman that he got from uh from the priest to keep the uh, the bad juju away from him and from all of us at all times. I was going to ask you if you thought that that was part of yeah. why everything was kind of going sideways. No, we we kind of had a feeling like we were a little bit cursed. Mm-hmm. To say the least. <laughs> it's horrible. I just want to like, I need to grab some sage and some holy water immediately. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was chaos. And then having to also act with no sleep and all that juggling. The acting was the easiest part. That was a treat. Guys, mm-hmm. you know. I'm just shut it off and I'll go be that guy for a minute. And I don't have to think about anything else. That just sort oh. of seems innate for you. Mm. Yeah. you. Just, it just, you just do it. Yeah. I, 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 it's not like, yeah, I, I, I did uh, theater in New York uh, at a little off, off Broadway place, uh, the homegrown theater with Wally Strauss and uh, his lovely daughter, Georgia, and her husband, Jason Mishka, um, and Wendy Strauss, uh, and Joanne Strauss. Um, and uh, it was all mom and pop theater. And it started in, uh, in Wally's apartment. And they had taken out a wall. And I think my friend Stephen Wastel actually took out the wall with Wally. Stephen's an actor friend who does uh, Wolf Rescue here in California. That's cool. Um, different story but so they (laughs) so they 
they had they had two rooms wall in between knock the wall out put risers just low risers one two three a little light board on this side and then this side of the stage or the, the what would be the, the dining room i guess was the stage um and then they moved from there into uh a space at a hundred and first in broadway uh there's a theater right there i think um you know one of those old uh, movie theaters with the the million lights and the and the marquee underneath and mm -hmm. uh right next to it you go up the stairs and you get into the theater and then upstairs from us was um i think it was a karate studio and then and they turned it into like a ping pong place which is not what you want above no. your no. theater <laughs> so it was crazy but i i did a lot i did a lot of theater i i would travel in the 90s i would i would do six months of theater if not an entire year then i go out to los angeles and try and get some uh film or tv work and i'd go back and mm -hmm. forth and so that's where i i really honed my skills i lied my way into the theater company i had never acted before but i said that i did and um was your first while he said you know what blocking is right and i said yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna watch what people do when they're blocking and i'll go with it yeah like that's and that's what i did I, I watched what the other actor was doing but i i always studied people and uh that i always found you know human behavior fascinating and i always loved movies you know one of the first films i remember seeing ever was uh the black and white original king kong mm -hmm. and uh in the basement of our house uh in boston with all my uh all my brothers and sisters you know and late at night and i thought that was just amazing and then uh i was actually able to see star wars in the theater uh at age eight and that changed everything and it was just That's like awesome. in the back of my amazing. head like how I feel am like I to, how am i going to be a part of that we're a little younger but i still remember seeing it it was i was in second grade and it was played at my school and it was the first movie i'd seen on big screen it, it was just life-changing yeah and, I, and so that uh, as it is for so many folks and i just had to you know figure out a way to be a part of it i went to art school uh in boston at night at uh the massachusetts uh, college of art and design mm -hmm. and uh if i had stayed i'd have a degree probably would have helped develop adobe and photoshop but i thought i know how to draw i'm going to be an actor <laughs> stay in school boy um but uh and i've told this story to my son who's actually going to vapa the, the visual and performing arts school here now oh, in los awesome. angeles he's an a uh an a plus student um academically and he's uh he's brilliant uh as an artist and that's my younger boy shane and my my older son nick is fantastic with editing and he does he does a twitch stream and I, I just they they have a different bent on on what's going on with uh with media and i just have to tell us you know if i if i had stuck with the schooling i'd be better like i wouldn't have to ask you to photoshop something for me right <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, that's yeah awesome. so, yeah, it's wild, and it's it's wild. But that that was that was uh, how I I kind of um, got I I took one class for acting uh, mm -hmm. when I was at the college, and then I went down to New York and I I met this gal and she said you should come and check out this theater and I I did and it was when it was in the apartment and then you know because I wanted it so bad I I told a fib and uh, then my friend Nick Rainier. Uh, who was in the theater company and went on to go and direct some other things. Um, he was starring as the lead in the boys in the band, uh, which is a character eight or nine character play, uh, famous 
play and film. I think they brought it back with uh, Zach Pent- uh, Zachary Pinto. Is that his? Mm-hmm. Spock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that I always name? call him the guy from Heroes. Yeah. Right. And there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think he, he ended up playing the lead in it. But uh, my friend Nick just wasn't it wasn't vibing. And a week before mm-hmm. we opened, he dropped out and he was playing the lead. I was playing a much lesser character, but my character was on stage with with uh, with Nick the whole time. And the lead character was Michael. And uh, I went to rehearsal and Wally pulled me aside and said, uh, here's the thing. And he realized, yeah, he didn't, he didn't really have that much of a beard, but he'd do this. He goes, here's the thing. And he had a little <laughs> tiny ponytail. <laughs> he goes, ah, uh, Nick's dropping out. <laughs> Your tell is showing. So, <laughs> uh, you know his lines? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, here's the thing. I think you can do it. Do you think you can do it? And I'm like, wait. <laughs> wait, what do you mean? <laughs> but he, I didn't say any of that. I said, yeah, he goes, well, I, I think you can, I, you can be Michael. He's, uh, so we're going to push. We're going to do a, uh, you know another week. So I basically got thrust into the spotlight um, with a very heavy emotional uh, play, playing a gay man. Um, and that was my first role ever. So uh, my ex-wife came to see it with her then boyfriend. And when she told him, oh, you know, do you remember Tom from the from that play, um, I'm marrying him. And her ex-boyfriend said, I thought he was gay. <laughs> He's that good of an actor. Oh, story. <laughs> so there, there's a million of these, man. I, I said, I, at some point, I've got to write a book. And uh, I think I'll, I'll call it. it Doubting Doubting Thomas. Oh, and that'll be that'll be my comeuppance for all these people who didn't give me the shot when I thought I deserved it. <laughs> I love it. That's a good That's awesome. one. Total yeah. acting kind of related question. Mm-hmm. I won't name movies, but as we've said, you're a good actor. How do you handle being in scenes when you're in scenes with people who are the opposite of that and you have like nothing to play off? That's never happened. Exactly. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you what what you have to do uh, is you have first of all you gotta uh, the the advice I used to give to, to folks when back in the day when we were just cranking through stuff at the asylum was you know no one's better than anyone else and this is a team effort and we all have to you know actor smacker doesn't matter um, we're all here together we make this thing happen together and if you're now you're just working with someone who's not making it happen you got to try and work your coverage into like covering what they're lacking and not and not like blow up and be like oh i'm gonna steal this scene but and you kind of have to it's a it's a tough line to walk Mm. but i always i just straight up acting if i don't believe it if I don't believe what's happening to me, then the audience is never going to believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I don't believe what the other person's saying and listening to them, then no one's going to believe my reaction. So even if someone's flat, if I believe what they're saying, mm. it can save their performance. Yes. Well, I, I, I do what I can. I'm, I'm, I'm here to I help. Know, and and I, where <laughs> I'm coming from is like, I'll see you in these scenes and you don't... It, New England a reference like the Celtics right now they are playing down below their level of their talent you wouldn't do right. that you were giving your performance every time and yeah. 
sometimes they would just be not giving it back to you. Yeah, and that's yeah. okay. That's that's their problem because yeah. then my 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 coverage is what's going to end up on screen. And I and I've <laughs> said as we've watched some of these movies, like whatever we go into it, yeah. our the whole premise is like they're not Oscar winning films, you know, whatever. No. But um, you go in with like lower expectations, and the movies we've watched with you, I come out being like, he did a really good job, and he made me like 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 whatever character you're playing in the moment right. that you're in. And so that for me is more important than, you know, uh, whatever else is going on in mm -hmm. the moment, because I appreciate that because that's showing your craft, you know? Well, I, if, if whatever character you're creating, whether you're a good guy or bad guy or whatever your deal is, uh, you got to make it in some way likable and if not likable then believable because then people the expectation is oh, what happens next then people want to see what happens and if it's just like crummy then <laughs> you're like people are going to turn the channel you know <laughs> or just go why do we rent this and you know back in the day just you know snap the cd in half or the dvd in half and <laughs> throw it on the fire but yeah it's uh it, it like i said if i don't believe it no one else is going to mm. believe it so i have so. a question for you that's sort of like one of those hypothetical sort of dorky questions, but is there any specific role? I know you said King Kong and, and uh, Star Wars like changed your life and those were like the big things, but is there any specific character or role that you really felt either someone that you saw or something that you played yourself in theater or whatever that you felt, you know, sort of this connection to that you absolutely love that kind of made you, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what the words are that I'm looking for, but inspired. Yeah. Well, there, there's, yeah. Uh, way back in the day, um, just watching Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. I just thought that like it, it, it I believed that they all lived and breathed right there. And I thought that that was exactly how you'd be a, like the coolest guy <laughs> in that day, like in that year. Like mm -hmm. Jack was just, yeah. you know, he was Jack Gittis is just the, the shit, you know? Um, so watching him do that. And then uh, that, that was, that was a standout performance. It's not, people will say, you know, they'd like Jack and this, that, or the other, but that's one of my, that's probably the movie that, that really does it uh, for me as far as, uh, as Nicholson is concerned. And uh, there've been so many others. Um, like Sean Penn and state of grace which is a little crime film. Um, Gary Oldman's in it, another actor that I adore. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so there are so many. I've had my friend uh, Keith Compton and I, we were maybe going to do um, a play out here before, just, just before COVID hit, uh, 12 Angry Jurors instead of 12 Angry oh, Men. Yeah. It's a split, oh, you know, okay. the, a rewrite of that. And it, it actually played on, on Broadway and it's been, it's been, you know, done to death, but it was kind of timely uh, for the political climate last year um, yes. to have nasty, bigoted people be called out. Um, I think it was so, timely. But we, but yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Never, never won't be a bad time to call them out. Um, but my, uh, my, my friend Keith and I, we, we, it was funny because we, we like a lot of the same movies um, and he's with my agent as well. Uh, it was kind of a good year to introduce people to my agency. Um, Mike Gerard at ETA, Esprit Talent. Thank you, buddy. Uh, we'll get there, pal. I swear. Um, <laughs> but we we always quote these films from these actors that we love. And it's kind of like this shorthand. Um, we were just working on a show together doing art stuff. 
and we're basically just talking and movie lines to each other and making each other laugh. And it's just <laughs> like, that's, there's so many performances that I love. And uh, for subtlety, um, and he never gets, he never gets the uh, recognition he deserves, but Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. Oh God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, are you, yeah. can you, can you really name very many lines that like were life-changing or and it's, it's his reactions and, the look on his face and all, you know, when he listens to Rutger Hauer talk about tears and rain and knowing, you know, that they're going to put the bad overdub later, but you can see it in his face without him having to do, <laughs> do the dub. My favorites. Yeah. It's, a, it's great. That's, that's a, that's a favorite just look for a film look. That's yeah. beautiful. Um, and then as, as far as anything that I ever did, I, I really like playing, uh, I like playing Jake rivers cause he was a nice guy. Mm-hmm. But you don't, yeah, you don't get he, nice guys that often. No, because I I look angry all the time. But this is the only face. I think it's I've just because you're tall, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I look like Frankenstein on screen sometimes. My friend Joel Hebner was the only one taller than me ever that I've worked with on on a set. He was he was in the werewolf suit in uh, in Bray Road, and um, he's a very handsome gentleman. He's on the cover of one of the Call of Duty um, games, and oh, wow. he was our Frankenstein for Frankenstein Reborn. He's Beautiful kid looks like uh, you know uh, Audrey Hepburn's handsome brother, and uh, <laughs> like you wouldn't be handsome, but uh, but then we turn him into a monster, and he goes on a rampage in that film. So that was a lot of fun too. Is yeah. there a role out there? So if you had the chance from a film or that exists, play something that exists or doesn't exist that you'd like to get done, that you go, man, I'd like to take a shot at that one. If I could, I'd, I'd like to go, like I said, with, with NoHo Radio, uh, to go and do comedy would be great. Um, and, you know, I've had, I, we always would work in, like, jokes into everything, even, you know, we always try and make something a little funny. And yeah. at one point, you know, we were told, oh, Blockbuster, this back, back when Blockbuster still was <laughs> picking up our stuff, like, the Blockbuster hey, people don't want comedy in your horror films. And I... My friend Jeff Denton, uh, <laughs> and even even Lee Scott, you know, was directing the things, and he had to, you know, follow the rules. But he's like, "Fuck those guys! Like, <laughs> yeah. like they don't know they don't know what's good for him." And, and that's a wrong. part of making you make your character likable, and yeah. and that's the deal. But oh god, if I uh, if I if I could do it, I'd like I'd love to have be on a sitcom and do that kind of thing, and have some fun, and then uh, be anything that. Um, Christopher Walken ever was on oh, film. God, right. Which would be fine. Yep. Yeah. And I have a, it's a helicopter going by. Um, <laughs> I have uh it's California. You can keep the window open. Um, you can have, have a sheet of snow. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I, I I'll share a, a, a story about uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, my friend, uh, Joey DePinto, I said, I got rest his soul. Uh, he was friends with him. He worked on uh, the Batman that Chris was in mm-hmm. and he had just one little scene and one line or whatever. And I guess, yeah, and Chris likes to get a little smoked out. So he's on set smoking out and he's sitting in his chair and they're getting ready to go. And he turns to uh, Joey and says, Joe, you know, your line. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey's like, yeah, you jerk. <laughs> he's like, it's like messing with him. I would instantly uh, forget it. Oh my god! So, but they would—they would hang out. So it was funny. But I, I uh, 
so I used to impersonate Chris Walken for my friend, um, for my friend Joey. And then uh, one time I, again, they're really, there's really fun name dropping about to happen here. I went to uh, a pre Oscar little, uh, people were having drinks at the Bellage Hotel here off the Sunset Strip. And Joey said, come down. Sean's going to be there. Sean Penn, Robin Wright, uh, various and sundry others. So I go in and uh, Sean Penn, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins, Jack Black, uh, Joey, yeah, they're all in this place. And um, so I go in and like, Tommy, Tommy, come here, come here. And uh, Sean's sitting over with uh, Tim Robbins and Jack Black. Susan Sarandon has just walked away from Robin Wright Penn at the time. And uh, Tommy, come here, you gotta, you gotta meet Robin. I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> like, holy crap. All I can think is as you wish. And, uh, yeah. and he, before I can really say anything, he says, Tommy, you, you gotta do walking. You gotta do walking for Robin. <laughs> and there are all these people around like, oh my God, really? Thanks, like, Thanks friend. But, yeah. but you can't say no. And she looks at me like, oh, really? And this is the night before uh, Sean and Tim both won Oscars for Mystic River. Mm -hmm. So I just went into, you know, and I'm also a, a, a closeted stand up comedian. I, I, that would be something I'd love to get away with at some point in time. I can't play guitar, I'll never be a rock star. Um, <laughs> so I'd say, Robin, I, I'm conflicted. I got a call from Lawn Michaels. Asked me to come, Fallon, the kid, Jimmy, it's his swan song. <laughs> my, my internet is unstable, it said, but we're going to keep going. Yeah, it's we hear you fine. Fallon's swan song. He wants me to go. He wants me to go host. It's Sean's weekend, Oscars. He's going to get a golden boy. I'm sure of it. So I say to Lowen, <laughs> what are you going to offer me? He says, he says he's got stationary bathrobe slippers all of the best of from belushi and we'll even throw in the kid fallon on vhs i say lawn sean's my boy i'm gonna be there for him he tells sean i'll see him tomorrow night and i do this whole thing i just make this whole thing up on the spot pretty much like that she grabs my hands she goes oh my god you have to do that for sean Oh God! <laughs> no, Turns to no Sean and says, "Sean, Sean, you have to hear this." Interrupts him talking to Tim Robbins, and Jack Black is sitting there, and she's like, "Tom, do it." So I do the whole thing over, but because Robin Wright said, "Sean, you have to hear this," fifty people stopped everything they were oh, doing, God. and listened to me do that wow. the night before the Oscars. And so I do it and I finish up and I just go, I love you, Sean. Like that <laughs> at the end, at the very end of it, I'm like, you're my boy. And he goes, and Sean goes, well, that's him. And raised his glass to me. <laughs> so I got away with it. And Jack Black uh, was funny. He's sitting there. He's looking at me at that famous. Uh, and he had a, he had a little napkin. He went. And gave awesome. me a good job. That's and then like I went I've been there, my friend. Right. And then I went and talked to Tim Robbins for 45 minutes and told him he was going to win an Oscar. And that when I grew up, uh, uh, I wanted to be him. That's actually a true story. When you ask about people that inspired me, you know, seeing mm. Tim 
and Shawshank Redemption was kind of oh. like life changing as well. Cause I was like, that's, that's an amazing film that, you know, maybe someday I get to do something like that. Like uh, Tom Hanks and road to perdition, mm-hmm. different film, kind of similar uh, time frame, but honestly, Andy Dufresne, that's, that's a role you want to play and red as well. You know, Morgan Freeman, incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll, I'll say out of nowhere to, when I'm working with friends, I'll say my friend, Andy Dufresne. so i do voices as well so i'm hoping yeah i'm very jealous because i cannot do accents or voices yeah it's actually a joke that we have with him he'll try to do an accent and anytime he does one or or a voice (sighs) he sounds like a really bad impersonation of christopher walken every time it's hysterical Bad. Even bad impersonations of Chris Walken are good. No, <laughs> I just no, proved I, it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, Sam and I both, uh, in, in our backgrounds, we have degrees in science. And one of the principles in science is something is true until it's proven wrong. I've proved that statement wrong when I tried to do Christopher Walken. <laughs> all righty. <laughs> <laughs> it's science. Life yes. is all about knowing your limitations. And I know that one. Oh, there you go. Well, I applaud you for trying. People, uh, the Boston accent will come out if I'm home mm-hmm. on that side. But people will say, you never really got an accent. I said, no, I skipped school that day. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> and it's it's just from, uh, from listening to other people and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. Rich Little back in the day was one of my favorite uh, comedians. And, and, and if you look back at, at his impersonations, it started very early. He would do Bogart and all that kind of stuff. This is back in the seventies. Cause like I said, I'm an old guy, but, um, but that was always something that was interesting to me. So comedy would be great to do. Uh, and then, yeah, and he had that, that uh, Tim Robbins, hell of a career. Very proud right. of that gentleman. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, even, you know, you talk about Tom Hanks being, you know, just having that incredible longevity and, and he's just, likable no matter what he does so you hope for something like that to happen and get as lucky um not lucky i mean i see the guys he's super talented but i mean do you go back to like bachelor party and splash God, and it's yeah. like and something about this guy and, yeah. something about this guy is going to stick with you you know <laughs> you, you just want to see him again that's why you have to be likable even if you're the bad guy like yeah. alan rickman didn't think uh, that his life was going to change after die hard but it did Unreal. Yeah. One of my favorites. I still get yeah. upset about Truly that. Truly one of our favorites. Yeah. Yeah, he's marvelous. You be trying motherfucker. What is <laughs> seriously? <laughs> what was your favorite set that you've been on for just like a great experience? For on the professional side, uh it was the first thing I was ever cast in was amazing. Uh mm. the next karate kid which is the fourth installment of the Karate Kid series with Hilary Swank. Oh, okay, that one, okay. Who I hear went on to do good things. <laughs> she is an up-and-comer, yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, have not heard from her in years. She never calls, but that's all right. I did hear from another co-star on that one, Walt Goggins. <gasps> oh, um, my God. We love of, him. Boyd Crowder is, is one of my favorite characters ever. Yeah, he's... he's oh. uh, He's something else and I'm really happy for him. And we were actually, I ran into him on the street like less than five years ago uh, on Melrose. And it was after I did this thing called uh, Beast Mode, um, which is out now. It's kind of this crazy um, 
fun monster movie kind of homage type thing. Um, but look it up, friends. Beast Mode, Spain, Willingham. God bless you. See Thomas Howell stars in that as well. Um, and my friend Albert Monero is in, in there. Uh, great comedian. He did a buddy of mine just worked uh, with Steve Buscemi. So a lot of people I know are doing their thing and moving on up. But Walt Goggins has become so large that I, I'd love to reach out and say, hey, dude. <laughs> want to help brother out man <laughs> yeah, i can do background on the unicorn yeah oh my god i featured background yeah. you know the guy in the hot dog suit or i don't know something um <laughs> do you need but, someone yeah. tall i'm here right exactly yeah but yeah so that was the doing the the next karate kid um i went in i auditioned and uh at the end of the scene uh, there was a chair in in this room and I picked up the chair and I threw it against the wall and I added a line and I said, you see what that little bitch just did to my nose? I'm going to break your neck. And I'm like, ah, like, <laughs> so because she it's in this in the script, she just kicked this kid in the head and like he gets upset. So unbeknownst to me, Jerry Weintraub, famous producer uh, who, who's no longer with us and is responsible for all of the vacation movies. Oh, okay. And the reboots of Ocean Eleven, uh, among mm-hmm. many others, and all the Karate Kid films. Uh, he also called the Colonel for a year, asking if he could take Elvis on tour or do just one show with him. And after a year of avoiding his phone call, Jerry Weintraub got through. So this guy Jerry's a big deal. I had no idea who he was at the time. There's this older guy watching me do my thing for the director, uh, Chris Kane, whose son Dean Kane was Superman on TV. Nice family. So I pick up the chair, I throw it, I start swearing, which is not in the script. And, uh, and Jerry Weintraub goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, thank, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. And I left. I'm like, fuck, you fucking blew it. You fucking blew it. And, uh, and then I got a call that weekend that I had been cast and I was going to be bad guys. Did they keep your line? And I, I, well, I have my, I have my name on the trailer and the whole, the whole thing. So that was, that was the first best experience. Um, and then every other hard film that I've ever worked on, Sorority Party, uh, Rivers Nine, Evil Takes Root, uh, all those other ones, is all, they all have something special about them. You know, the hard part is part of the fun yeah. because you know it'll end at some point or you hope it will anyway. But the best experience was uh, shooting that film in Newton and Brookline and around Boston. I remember they were in the area when I was growing up. I remember when that was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was I that I got in on that out in Groton, Mass, where I lived. Yes, at a gas station, and I remember it all being shut down. And we were all trying to find a way to get down one nineteen to go see that, and then we couldn't. We weren't cool enough (laughs) or crappy. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, to get close and just just to be around it is fun. That was that was the first uh, good time, and then I I worked on that '70s show for one episode. and uh that was amazing because i got to hang out with tommy chong uh for two weeks and met all the other kids on there and they're all like i ran into uh uh wilmer valderrama and was trying to get him some help with uh not him personally but a a director who was looking to raise some money um the financer i brought in didn't think that they needed as much money as the director wanted so it didn't work out but i ran into him and i'm like hey i i Remember me, Tom, from the, he goes, yeah, you were the cop. 
<laughs> you remember me. And then I ran into Topher Grace, same thing. I ran into him a few years after I had done it. And he's like, Tom, yeah, you were the cop. Um, and he said, you know what I remember, Tom? Nobody has ever come to a table read that I remember and had like this little tiny you know, line. He goes, I forget what you said, but you said something and the entire room burst out laughing. And I said, I remember what it was. I, yeah, uh, Danny Matherson's uh, character, he's like, look at her and look at me. I mean, who do you think? It, it was, I was arrested him for having a bag of weed. I arrest Hyde for having a bag of weed. He's like, look at her, Mia Kunis. He's like, and look at me. He's like, Who's, who do you think the, the weed is? It belongs to. And he's like, huh? And I'm looking at them and he goes, you're a cop, aren't you? And I go, oh, you got that right. <laughs> and when I did it at the table read, and I go, oh, you got that right. Everybody laughed. And I didn't think it was going to get such a big laugh. But Topher remembered years later. He's like, yeah, you're that funny guy that never came back to the show. What happened? Um, and I like when my kids were well, when my kids were small, I quit. Uh, like I said, I quit for a while. I tried to figure some other things out and I ended up getting back to it. But I am in touch with Mark Brazil. So Mark Brazil, when you hear this, remember uh, you're going to put me on your new show. I think it's I think it's called Lies We Tell Our Children. That He's got one know. in the pipe and actually. I really want to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, have you done anything since COVID? Hmm. Have you been in any have you done any work since COVID has started? Like I did a um, pandemic rules. I've, I've been back on set just art department wise. Obviously we got back to work. Uh, and I did go and, um, record, uh, a thing called, um, Harryhausen. And it's, uh, going to be maybe stop motion animation about uh private detective in the, uh, I think we're going like, uh, around the time of the first or second world war, early forties. Uh, so it's kind of like a Dashiell Hammett meets, um, all of the, uh, characters from mythology and Ooh. nursery rhymes and et cetera. So if you remember Harryhausen, uh, Ray Harryhausen was a special effects guy. And if you don't know, I'll educate you. He did a film called Clash of the Titans and, uh, mm -hmm. Voyage of Sinbad back in the day. Yeah. And it was all stop motion yeah. stuff. So my character is a, a uh, Cyclops who also happens to be a private eye. I love it. Oh, that's fun. A private eye. A private eye. Oh, God. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's with my, uh, my, my buddy, uh, Zach, and um, Zach Morissette, and uh, my, my good friend, Mike Callio. What's up, Mike? Um, so that's a, we recorded an hour. It took six, six hours to record the one hour because I also narrate the entire thing. And I kind of, you know, you do it in the mid-Atlantic. Um, if I had a script in front of me right now, I'd go right into the voice. And it's sort of a, a Phil Hartman kind of a feel to this guy's jib-jab that he puts out there. Um, silly. So that, that we recorded awesome. that. And that, oh, that's awesome. that it felt good to, to get out there and do something again, mm -hmm. to say the least. Yeah. Um, and then we'll and I, like I said, I've been auditioning for some of these other shows, some, some big, some small, but we'll get it. We'll get there. <laughs> well, that's, that's the other question. Like, do you have anything like coming up mm. uh, that you've just finished or that you're currently working on or, you know, the, that would be the one that we're, I'm hoping to get out there um, just as like a, a pod, uh, like a, an audio cast podcast kind of deal to have that released. And I think everything else, Oh, there's uh, there is one. Let me see if I can actually share. Let me look at it. This uh, 
this I did a I did a short to as like a proof of concept. Mm. I can't really even I can't say anything about it um, per se, but uh, a little mystery that we're gonna go revisit and maybe shoot that. And that is, it's uh, I play a, a corrections officer who has a very unique uh, ward who has got some supernatural abilities that I curtail by keeping him a junkie. Interesting. That's, um, and I believe it's vagrant is what we were calling it. I mean, it was before, I don't want to like, this is their project. And I just, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. It's um, so, so far uh, vagrant. Um, And it's, I'm tagged on it on Instagram. Um, Vagrant short film. Check those guys out. Um, And that, if we if we do follow up uh, and shoot the whole thing, um, John Ungaro is the uh, the writer. And I I did get a very nice uh, message from Lizette, um, his wife, saying you're amazing in this. So thank you. And that's after we shot that a year ago, like well over a year ago. It was uh, probably last fall or, or a year ago, fall forever ago. (laughs) <laughs> so that uh that'll be out there too and then hopefully i'll be telling you guys that i that i booked something for nbc or hbo or yes. somewhere in between so do you have more so, time or are you in a i do because sam is going to give me a look but i'm going to nerd out and ask you some questions about some of these terrible movies go ahead <laughs> what is it like <laughs> so like sorority party massacre i love the effects and everything how do you do a scene like the bear trap well, that uh, was, uh, I think I actually got the assist on that one and used bailing wire um, to attach it to my arm. That was, well, was I'm literally yeah. holding that. I, I'm, it's all me. Yeah. And that was just because it was heavy as hell. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, makes, it makes yeah. a great, it makes a great doorstop. Uh, <laughs> but That's that you laid down the whole time that you set it up. Okay. Right. And then when, I, when I'm standing up and I get, I pull it off, it was, it was attached to my arm. We use bailing wire to attach it. Uh, and that's how we did that one. And a uh, little bonus material, the, when Eve Morrow puts the ax through the door mm-hmm. and Keith Compton is the actor I was telling you about that we were doing the, the 12 angry jurors with oh, yeah. Keith Compton's in sorority. He's the one with the lazy eye. That isn't a lazy eye. He's the liar. Mm-hmm. I go, um, when the axe went through the door, uh, my friend Luke had to hang that door by himself because I was exhausted uh, because we were basically running on no sleep getting that film done as well. So they, uh, Luke had to hang the door. He's like, oh, remember when you said you'd help me hang that? I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> like, guys, so it's easy. Just, you know, get, so so-and-so will help you. I need to go to sleep. Um, but we actually put a, a real axe through a door. And oh, Eve said awesome. she was, she, Eve Morrow loved doing that. <laughs> you can imagine, right? How yeah. often did you get that chance? Yeah, exactly. That was so that was and then the uh the falling off the boat mm. into the harbor, the water was I think 58 degrees or something like oh, that that night. Man. And I had a wetsuit on, but if you don't uh acclimate, you don't get warm. Yeah. So I actually got a little bit of hypothermia and uh um Lang, Amanda Barton. The beautiful, wonderful talent, Amanda Barton, 
uh, she had to do a scene where she, you know, she gets discovered in the water and that was done in a pool. And she was like, I don't even know how you did. I don't know how you did that. Was, oh <laughs> she's like, that was awful. Just being, she's like, cause she was claustrophobic anyway. She's like, mm, nah, I don't, don't, don't know why you would do that. Um, no. But yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> On, on, yeah, there's a lot. Any, what else you want to know? You've had some right. fun effects. So, like, my other favorite death of yours, oh, I know yeah. these are interesting conversations that you don't get to have with anyone else, um, <laughs> is Axe Giant. When you are cut in half, uh-huh. and you, I said on our podcast episode, if you haven't listened, um, my one of my favorite things is you've been cut in half and you're alive for way too long, which is, <laughs> oh, yeah, way too and much breath in those months. Shit talking this giant with half a torso. Yes. What was doing I, that scene like? <laughs> I I asked if I could do that. I asked if I could make it funny. I said, "Can I yell at him?" And and there was uh, he was gonna uh, stomp on me and mm-hmm. smash me, um, or they had a giant hand and he was gonna crush me. So we did it both ways. Um, but it was green screen top up and green mm-hmm. screen from uh, the top down. So much fun. We do both of those deals. And uh, I remember we was we were in Ohio shooting that. It was freezing. I ended up covered in blood. I screamed bloody murder all day getting, you know, as he was killing me. Um, but that, uh, what the hell did I say? When I, when I get up, I'm going to shove that ax handle so far up your ass. Yep. You're going to shit splinters until Christmas. Oh, and then he stomps on you. Talk. And how you would ever have the breath in your lungs to say <laughs> right. that. Right. No. That's <laughs> so, what makes it so much fun. But, like, but that's, yeah. but that was me leaving the film. And yeah. I'm not seen again after that. That's my death. So I was going to make my death memorable. I won't lie. <laughs> we looked, we were watching that film and it, we, you, it's got to be like 40 or 45 minutes. And Sam looks at me. She goes, Oh no, he's not in the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at her. I'm like, this is the first time I've seen it either. Oh my God. I've made a mistake. We have another 40 minutes to go. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah, that would, that, you tagged the guy who plays the giant. And I think he did a great job. Chris. He was so much fun as Paul Bunyan in that. Chris Hahn's great. And Chris yeah. is having a, a good career. Um, he's having a lot of fun. He's he's showing up. Uh, he he just has a, a little bit, you know, doing a little stunt thing where he grabs um, one of the leads in uh, Judas and the Messiah uh, oh, wow. on HBO. But he's, he's getting cast as, as the heavy in uh, mm-hmm. some of these lower budget uh, films. And then he's showing up in these beautiful projects uh, and working with, you know, big name actors. And Chris is a really lovely guy, so I'm really happy for him. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I and adored that film. <laughs> it's wrong both, reasons, but Jess, Jesse Cove, uh, the the lead kid in it, mm-hmm. um, his dad is Martin Cove. Martin Cove uh, is Crease in the Karate Kid series. Oh, really? Back oh, in the wow. day, I work with Martin Cove on a thing called Ballistica uh, with the producer Jeff Miller. Um, Jeff Miller did, uh, the burning dead among others and, uh, ax giant, um, burning dead was one I did that I got my name on the poster. It's my name and Danny Trejo. That's That's awfully awfully (laughs) damn proud of that. So thank you for that, Jeff. Uh, (laughs) But Jesse Cove's dad, Martin Cove, I met him on a set and I said, Hey, you know, we have something in common. I was in one of those karate kid movies too. He's like, Oh, very good. So I have pictures of me and him, you know, bowing and, doing the, the little fight pose. Uh, and all these years later, uh, Cobra Kai is all, all kinds of crazy. And I enjoy it. I love seeing it. It's a lot of fun. And 
according to the Hollywood Reporter, everything that's been in uh, Mr. Miyagi canon is fair play. So they may ask uh, Hillary Swank to come and do something. And that might open the door for me to go and be a uh, washed up old zero <laughs> that, would be that awesome. gets to go play on Cobra Kai. So I'm putting that out there in the universe too. Cobra Kai folks, you can call me. I played Morgan yeah, in the next yeah. Karate Kid. If you haven't seen it, oh, it's a gem. <laughs> I've already got backstory for you. You don't even have to worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. He's, a, he's an actor who's been doing B films for 30 years. <laughs> this guy can handle a monster. So if you want to get make this weird and sci-fi That's all it. of a sudden, we got you. All, all of a sudden, there's axe giants and transmorphers everywhere you look. <laughs> what was the hardest thing you've had to do on a set, like physically in, in a role? I, I mean, I imagine getting out of hypothermia is probably up there, but I know that you was mentioned- bad. They- I was saying, no, you mentioned me. you were the uh, monster and shapeshifter, which must have been shapeshifter was role. gross. That was gross because the uh, monster suit was reused from the Beast of Bray Road. And uh, Joel actually, Hebner, uh, was the monster and shapeshifter, but he had an accident. He got some Super 77, some you know spray adhesive in his eye, oh, and he had his contacts in. So it was a big oh, deal. Um, and they needed yeah. to keep shooting. So like, Tom, can you jump in the monster suit? And I was helping on that film, and I was doing uh, – dead men walking at the same time at the Lincoln Heights prison. We did two films at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I don't, I don't know why the asylum thought that was a good idea, but we did it anyway. And I had to jump in the monster suit, which just reeked. And if it's your own stink, that's fine. No offense, Joel. You stunk it up real good, brother. Woo. <laughs> so you're in there and it literally like there were safety pins holding it together. Cause you're also doing running and action and this and that, and you're ripping mm-hmm. the suit and, um, I remember Danny, uh, Danny Russo, the, the effects, the guy, very dear friend of mine at one point, you know, we're getting really tired. And I said, uh, you got any more safety pens or what? Cause it was just falling apart. <laughs> He's like, and he says, I can make you a whole suit out of safety pins, Tom, if you want, I don't know if it's in the budget. <laughs> that awesome. is how he talks. Everyone who knows him knows, <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that was brutal. Just be, just because the, it was like 110 degrees in there oh. and not fun. And the director uh, didn't know what he wanted. And um, I ain't lying. You know who you are. I'm not going to say your name because I want to invoke yeah. you like Beetlejuice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was brutal. And then uh, Peter Mervis on the other end of the set was doing the zombie thing, mm-hmm. um, Dead Men Walking. And that was a lot more fun. I went in there. Uh, and again, I got to say something ridiculous when my arm gets bitten off by a bunch of zombies, I'm trying to shoot them in the head and something happens and I, I fall, they grab me, they pull me through, start biting my, uh, biting my arm off at the elbow. And I shoot this one in the head and I said, I hope you fucking choke. <laughs> I think I genuinely remember that line now that you say That's it. Like, I love saying dumb stuff in these dumb movies because it makes it fun. It's it fun does. for me. Yeah. And I hope it makes it fun for you at home as it well. It really does. <laughs> well, and so that is yeah. sort of, I think, why we really enjoy watching you specifically in these movies because that's what we're drawn to. That's yeah. sort of what people who like these movies are into. We want yeah. to be entertained in all the ways but if you add the little comedic flavor oh, yeah. it makes the the gore and the nasty stuff way more palatable and and you're also a good actor and i'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of us like you you really are um 
I appreciate so, it. Honestly, it's nice. It's nice to hear because I do try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as I said, I'm like from a family of of theater people. And so I think it's important to make sure that we like put out there, like yeah. we we really do think that you're great and we're so happy that your stuff is out there, even if yeah. other people may, you know, give it shit. Well, yeah, it's just, it's like I said, it's, uh, it's a different, uh, level of play, you know, for, you know, some folks started in the same spot that I'm in and never got to break on through to the other side, but they also gave up. I'm one of the few folks I know, uh, who's still able, well, I'm able to work, uh, in art department. Um, and I was doing that non-union, but now that I'm in the union, it's even better. And, uh, I don't, I don't live any kind of lavish lifestyle. Um, it's, I'm just, I'm just here grinding it out and hoping for the best. So when I do get in front of the camera, I got to mean it or what's the point of doing it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And it better be funny or I'm not going to like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we yeah. definitely love it. So it's, um, it really yeah. is been like, sort of for me especially because this is not I tend to be a little bit more highbrow when it comes to the movies that I like so when I'm watching these movies it's sort of like a bright spot I'm like oh yay Tom Downey's in this one (laughs) Uh, that's fine I really appreciate that when I when I saw my name mentioned I'm like who are these I don't know these folks (laughs) what you like that (laughs) so so I call your parents should I talk to your folks loves it I'm like Okay, let me find the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, there are, I mean, there's there's good and bad and everything in between. And I I give everybody a fair shake. And sometimes it's funny, like some some movies I'll just watch because I know what they're going for. And I just want to mm-hmm. see what they did just mm-hmm. to check it out for a minute. Even though sometimes you can't watch stuff oh. for more than 20 minutes because, you know, even with quarantine, there are only so many hours in a day. You know? <laughs> well, in general, we yeah. have only so many you know, 90 minutes we can give. So right. we get, to, we did an episode a few weeks ago where we got in 45 minutes and we finished the movie with the fast forward every 10 seconds. Cause we're like, we can't, we tried. Right. Been there and done that. Yeah. Cause I really did want to like give, give some, some of these things a shot and you just got to move on. One of my favorite uh, films during quarantine, I kept going back to was once upon a time in Hollywood. And a lot of people say, well, nothing really happened in that film. And I'm like, no, it's actually, I totally relate to Leo's character and I totally relate to Brad's character. It's a failed actor and a failed stuntman who are just kind of hanging on and trying to, I'm like, yeah, I've been in both of those places. <laughs> this is real life to me. I get it. So that was, that was instead of like, sometimes I, I get tired of looking mm-hmm. for a film to watch and I just go back and watch Once Upon a Time. And uh, I, I, I was able to meet um, Quentin Tarantino way back in the day with Daryl Hannah through my friend Joey who knew everybody in town um, and we were at this place called Ago uh, a little restaurant out here on Melrose Place and he, I was with my, my friend Michael um, Michael Tangent uh, a brilliant musician and a great sci-fi writer and uh, we're all waiting for our breaks to happen but he was with me and go over and we get introduced and it's Michael and Tom to Quentin and he immediately switches our names back. He says to me, nice to meet you, Michael, and nice to meet you, Tom. And Daryl <laughs> Hannah's there and she kind of, I think she caught it. But I said, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And then uh, he was talking uh, to Joey 
And I turned to Daryl and I said, I want to thank this guy for bringing you back. I missed you, lady. Don't you ever go away again. And she's like, oh, it's so sweet of you. And I was like, you have no idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Pris. It's Pris, you know? And and the mermaid from Splash. But more right. importantly, oh it's God. Pris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just to meet these folks. Uh, and then, you know, it's, if I ever, you know, if he does one more and I'm able to, I know where, where Tarantino goes for drinks. And I know I could walk up to him. And I did see him after uh, they did a screening of my friend uh, Chris and, and uh, Spain's movie Beast Mode. Mm -hmm. I saw him out, but it was their night to talk. And we were at this bar and I see Quentin. And I was like, oh, I really wanted to go over and say, hi, <laughs> uh, I met you before. And I loved everything. And I really loved Once Upon a Time. And he'd say, oh, yeah, man, that's really great. You know, he, he, he was already talking to the guy next to him and talking to the guy behind the bar. And he saw me look at him and I kind of gave him the, you know, the, the nod, like Oof. if my friends weren't here celebrating, I would go over and talk to you, but I didn't want to yeah. steal anyone's thunder. And I, what I wanted to say was you go over and say, yeah, I, I know you, uh, Joey DePinto introduced us and have him say, oh yeah, Joey, how's he's doing? And say, oh, he's been better. <laughs> oh, and Joey would me. think that that was, oh. Joey would think that that was fucking funny. <laughs> Hey, how's Joey? Hey, he's been better. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my friend Joe, in case you didn't know. That's why I make fun. No, I love and, it. Uh, That's great stories. It's yeah, I, really I've had a, I've met a lot of, a lot of fun people through all the different adventures that I've had. And, uh, it's a, it, it is an adventure still. So I'm hoping, hoping to keep it going as long as possible. Well, we're, we're excited to see what you do next. And, if it, it may not feel it to you, but for, for us, this is kind of going up to Quentin Tarantino in the bar and we are just so <laughs> thrilled to have you join us and, and share some time because this is huge for us to get an opportunity and we're just genuine fans of what you've done. Well, I appreciate that. And this is, this is good for me to remind me why I'm doing this. You yes, know, please because do I, it's creative this. and it's for everybody. And you know, there, there was the, uh, I forget, I, listen to the something on NPR back in the day, talking to a filmmaker. I forget who it was. I should look it up, but they were talking about stories and, you know, the, the metamorphosis of your story. And you, it goes through five changes. It's the script that you write. Okay. So we're going to do that. And then you go ahead and cast it. And then things have to change because the cast changes when they read the lines, things change. And then you shoot it. And then, Things happen and the world changes because of your shooting schedule or budget limitations. So you started with the script that changed when you cast it, that changed when you shot it, then you edit it and you find magic there and you change it again. So the script now, the story has changed again and you never ne really know what you have until the fifth part comes in. Number five is your audience tells you if you told the story right or not. So that's the end game for your story. It's not what you wrote on the page. It's how it's received. So for you guys to like what I did, I did something right. So thank you very much. You did. Thank you. Yes, you're very um, welcome. We, like I said, we really can't thank you enough for the time. Um, we look forward to seeing more of your stuff and hopefully connecting with you down the line again. Um, sure. We'd love to ask you. I don't want to kill you with stories in one night. So um, <laughs> pick your brain for more tales and voices down the line. Well, I was going to ask if there's anything else you would yeah. like to shout hmm. out or promote. Did I forget? Did I forget anyone? Uh, there's plenty that I, if I, if I actually made a list, I would have, you know, I have more to say. <laughs> um, the ones that are, 
the ones that are out there right now, that was that uh, the Vagrant short film. Hopefully mm -hmm. we'll go out and do something and get them some more funding. Uh, and Evil Takes Root, big shout out to everybody involved and, uh, and Beast Mode. Those are both out there and reach out mm -hmm. and touchable. Um, so those are the ones that are there. And then we'll, we'll see what happens with Harryhausen because that'll be a really fun thing yeah. to do. Yeah, um, sound, I'm in, in on that concept. The stuff that's out there, it's all, it's all there. Awesome. It's all there. And then uh, keep watching. So at this point, we had a moment where the audio dropped out and it was right when Tom was shouting out his mom and was telling this really sweet story, of course. So there's a strange transition that's happening right now. And we're going to just jump right into the story that he starts to tell about his parents. You know, there was a point in time when she's like, oh, Thomas, I got cast in, um, in, a, in uh, a film called The Proposition. Not the, not the one everyone thinks of. And it, I did it. I was a little bit prepared with hand props. It's this one. And that's Kenneth Branagh and Madeline oh, yeah. Stowe. Oh. And William Hurt is in it. And uh, Robert Loggia. And... Uh, Doogie Hauser himself, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, and Neil Patrick Harris and uh, Doogie Hauser, uh, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Loggia and uh, Madeline Stowe uh, and Blythe Danner, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. So all these wonderful people were in that film, but I got I got called and I got cast in that, and, and my mom was up in bed. She had I was home from. New York and Los Angeles at the time in Boston. And, uh, I was down in the, in the basement digging around, um, in Mason jars of, uh, wing nuts and, and, uh, wire fasteners and this and that with my dad. Um, and I went up, I got on the phone and, uh, it was from Colin Pickman casting. I believe it was Carolyn Pickman who called me and she said, or maybe it was Patty, but they said, Thomas, congratulations. You got the part. And I hadn't acted in three years and I thought it might be over. And like, I was chasing like, you know, a fool's errand. And my mother, because she had a headache, was like, oh, kind of like, oh, geez, it's too bad. They're keeping the kids hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she now would never say anything, but I'm proud of you. And it's marvelous that you've, you've stuck with it. And when I went back down to the basement to get back to the project I was working on with my dad, my dad said, uh, what'd they say? And I said, I got the part. And he threw the jar with all the wire nuts and all that jazz out of the way. And he grabbed my hand and he shook it. And he said, I'm proud of you, son. That's awesome. Why would I ever stop after that? You know, right, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the last story I'll leave you with is uh, that's God, awesome. I, I miss my dad. He left us on Christmas Day in 2000. Whole family was around him. Uh, big shout out to all my brothers and sisters. John, Mary, Pat, Sheila, Richard, Nancy, Catherine, all your counterparts, all my nieces and nephews, Nick and Shannon, I love you. And uh, yeah, so like that. But those, that's, uh, that's the whole story. You just got the best bit of it right there. That's what I'm doing.